Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast. Now, I've been up in Blackpool for the WWE's UK Championship Tournament. It was held here in no small part due to William Regal's involvement. He's now WWE's main talent scout, but his 20 plus years as a professional started right here in Blackpool. Now, I was never the biggest Regal fan, but the more I find out about him, the more I realise what a trailblazer he was and what a huge influence he's had. And I don't imagine I'll ever meet a more honest and humble person who spent their entire life pretend beating people up. Here he is taking a trip down memory lane. There was a, a clown called Charlie Caroli, probably long before your time, but he was the, he was a, which was to me was the, the most incredible thing of anybody in, in show business he was he got to work for 40 years every season at the circus there and just lived over the back there but to me to be to do a job that you love doing and entertaining children and whatever for 40 years in the best circus in the world must have been just unbelievable in, in the when this was at its peak you know what I mean and wrestling wrestling's like a travelling circus. Yes, as well, isn't exactly it? what it is. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling, wrestling is a travelling circus. That's what we are. I mean, there's no two ways about it, and that's why um, we're here in Blackpool. And I started my career, so it, this was the place in the eighties. To there was no way of getting into wrestling unless you, you came. Your dad was a wrestler. You were an amateur wrestler, which was, there was very few. Or if you came to the Pleasure Beach here, they used to have a wrestling booth. And if you could stick it out there, um, you sort of got took on as an apprentice. And that's how I got in. Like a lot of us, from like we were the last of the group of people that came through that world of sport era and, and wrestled on that. And most of us started, had something to do with this town. It's a very iconic wrestling town, Blackpool. And that's because Blackpool is a holiday town yes. and... You know, there's this uh, re- wrestling used to be in Butlins and mm. Pontins Still and all is. these uh, these holiday places. And is, that, is that what British wrestling is or was? It, British people love wrestling. They always have done. Wrestling had a huge following. It's always had a following here. This is our second biggest market with the WWE now, and we do two tours a year and do big arenas and. and uh, but wrestling still stayed after it got took off TV in 1988. It always stayed underground. In the last few years, everything's sort of come together. People like going to live venues and they like have that intimacy of being in a, an arena. And With wrestling, it's about, it doesn't matter how good you are, it's connecting with your audience, no different than any other form of entertainment. And There's a, an incredible amount of talented wrestlers here. The last five or six years, it's, it's sort of just started getting bigger and bigger and more companies doing more shows and it used to be every town in, in, in Britain had, had wrestling up through the end of the 80s really 
and then in the summer seasons there was the holiday camps and still the wrestling has never stopped on all the holiday camps so people like that kind of a it's that connection with your audience is the audience participation you get to very other few other types of entertainment really apart from going to the circus where you get to boo and scream and cheer and and, and actually let out emotion we're not in the, the business of putting on a sporting event we're in the business of selling emotion and when you can make people feel something uh, and, and with our form of entertainment and scream and boo and cheer that's how you make memories for people and how does British wrestling stylistically differ to um, European wrestling or American okay. wrestling and, and Japanese say British wrestlers were always known for being the most technical wrestlers in the world throughout the long history of wrestling and most of the, the top British wrestlers used to go overseas. There was um, a lot of, there's a big wrestling culture in Japan. Um, a huge amount of European wrestlers were the first people over there that the Japanese brought over because of the style. They had a very technically based, hard hitting, very physical style of wrestling. Britain's known for a lot of things. Within the, the, the mass audience, it's known for Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and, and characters. But also, in, in the industry, it was known for having the best technical wrestlers. Uh, Americans were far more... Some brilliant technical wrestling there, but a lot of the guys that did... This guy called Dory Funk Jr., he, most of his stuff, he'll tell you, he learned from British wrestlers. And so the, there was a... It, it, it had a great effect in Calgary. Bret Hart and people like that, a lot of their style came from British wrestlers going over there. And it had a big influence... Um, very entertaining as well and some great entertainers but it was about the style well now in the last few years all these styles American style Japanese style British style the technical styles come back into fashion that's all I ever used to do and it was I was doing it when nobody cared about it 20 or 30 years ago that's how I was taught and I went to America started doing it there 20 24 years ago in a few weeks and you know people sort of some people liked it some people didn't but then in the last few years those guys from Britain started doing all that old stuff again and people started taking notice of it and they were like whoa how's this and then, then they're, they're going to Japan and then they started some of those started coming to smaller shows in America and, and the talent here started realising well we'll, we'll, well that's the style to do bring back a lot add a little bit of this American style, add a bit of the Japanese style, add a bit. And so it's it's just grown from there. But British wrestling had a huge influence throughout the, the industry for years and years. I mean, I can go on and on about this, but the technical style, but the what what people consider the, the cruiserweight style now, that started in this country. There's no doubt about that, that there was a mixture of some Mexican wrestling but two guys, Marty Jones and Rollerball Mark Rocco, they started that hard-hitting, lighter weight, physical, with all because they both knew the technical style. They'd both been to Mexico. They both had Japanese influences. It all sort of came together and spread from there. Triple H described you as uh, his eyes and ears on the ground. You're mm. a talent scout mm. um, for WWE now. So how have you found all of these guys how have you identified these guys as kind of the, the representatives in the UK championship okay well it's it's my job I, I'm fortunate enough to be given that 
position of, of being a talent scout for the WWE. I know pretty much everybody everywhere in every country that's wrestling. That's what I do. I, I watch wrestling and, and, and I figure out the, 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 the people that are good for lots of different things. There's only so much you can do actually in the WWE but I'm always for for years this has been going ever since I started there's a oh well that you know what happens if they need the, the styles change because you never know people's tastes I've always looked at it like you never know where people's ideas are going to change right, or tastes are going to go so I've always been logging up well that guy would be good for that that lady would be good for that well if this style comes back that be so it's built up over the years where I've sort of been I paid close attention to that myself and Triple H have a very similar looking idea of what wrestling should be do they actually look like they can beat somebody up his number one thing that he always say to me a lot of wrestlers don't sometimes, and that's just it doesn't mean that they they can't be great at a certain level in a certain company but then you come into our show you're under close scrutiny what's the stuff going to look like in slow motion might look good the first time you see if we showed it in slow motion does it actually look good or does it not little things like that that make the difference we, we had a conversation myself and Triple H about five or six years ago now and I said what's your vision for, for going forward and it, we were both watching Boardwalk Empire at the time he said when you watch any of these incredible dramas on TV now or TV shows in general he said you'll never see anyone look out of place he said from the smallest to the biggest role everybody looks like they belong on there he said that's that's the vision and that's the kind of thing like with the Cruiserweight show and now with the British talent what do these fellas look like because there's guys on this that most people haven't heard of is getting a big break but I know that when you look at them they look like they can fight and they can fight and they're all credible people and they've got charisma and they've got hard hitting skills they've got something about them there's, there's a, a lot of things that go into it and what's more important when you're looking for a wrestler so this, this look this physicality and the ability to work or is it the charisma both some people it's just that initial thing you, you, you see Trent Seven is one of the guys here I saw him the first time I'd, I'd seen him on tape but you, you don't get it until you see him live within three feet of him walking out from the curtain I've never probably in the last 10 or 15 years seen anybody captivate an audience like I saw him captivate literally walking like that and just little looks and, in, and looks that endeared himself to the audience that's magic you can't buy that there's most people so it can and it just happens that he's good in the ring but it wouldn't have mattered that, that three feet was enough for me to know that fella can have something that can connect with an audience and there's no set formula to this and I'm not perfect at it in any way far from it because I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn different things and what works and what doesn't but that's the kind of thing you look for it, to me back to that number one thing is first of all do they actually look like they can do the job because that's half of our job is nine, probably nine tenths of it just if you can look like you belong you can get through it if, you, if you're starting off looking like you don't it's an uphill battle from there you, it takes time to win people over but if you actually look off the job and it's not about being a bodybuilder anymore it's about having that bit of a look about you right? like you can fight somebody because that's the first thing that happens you walk through the curtain and there's a, 
HD camera in your face and people can see that in your eyes whether you believe in yourself or not to me that's a huge thing because as you know right if you watch a good TV show a good director or a movie you'll never see the back of anybody's head for more than a split second we connect by the eyes some people see flashy moves some people see that but to me that's the biggest thing you've got is when you walk out and that first somebody's tuned in for the first time and they actually see you and if you can just who's that they look like they know what they're doing you're off to, at least you're off to a good start tell us briefly about British crowds uh, wow. at a wrestling event it's kind of changed a lot over the years hasn't it I mean it was a lot of old ladies and, and it's that stereotypical thing when I was a, 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 a young wrestler here, but a lot of old Granny's on the front row with handbags in you, with handbags with uh, some of them are wicked. Some of them they used to put bricks in them and the like stuff and pots of ponds cream, and it hit the fellas on the end of them and all that. The, the fans nowadays are just incredible, and I, I love it. People, go, some people get down on it, going, "Oh, they're hijacking the show." No, that's what this is about. It's about connecting with people, and it's up to you to be able to, you know, make the most out of the situation. If the crowd's taking you one way. Take it, you know. You take them another, or you take, you know. It's let them take you on a different direction. The way you're going, that that's part of what makes us a wonderful business because it's that connection with an audience. And when you can do that, and there's nobody better than British crowds. I mean, that that's not it's not me just pandering to anybody. You just, you can just watch the shows. When I was a kid, like it was it was very odd. I mean, I, there was obviously a lot of us watch wrestling. But we'd go and you'd, you'd just sit and watch. And I remember I used because my local wrestling hall, I'm not from this area originally, was Wolverhampton Civic Hall. And that was the first actual Kendo Nagasaki had his own like young following of everybody hated him there except there was about 20 fellas that were like teenagers. And I was only a little child, like about seven or eight. But he was the first time I'd seen this like vocally loud crowd you, and you, but I'd go to other places and you'd never see it and that was the first time I thought oh this is certain people can connect with a, a younger audience and, and he was because he was mysterious and that he connected with this group of people now I see that all the time and it's great that, that, that we can have that effect on people I've seen you be really horrible heel really bad bad guy in the ring yeah. incredibly humble and nice to talk to here how are you going to feel in, in Blackpool oh when you get, I'm trying, get some sort of reaction I know this is so I'm trying not to think about it because I get so choked up about <sighs> I never thought I was happy working at the Pleasure Beach I never I ne- I, that was the ideal job all I wanted to do was work there I thought that this is Wonderland right and living in this town in the 80s it was Wonderland to me because all I ever wanted to be was a wrestler or a clown or a comedian and this was where I learned all the skills that I've got as a wrestler when I went to America I was always like you know everybody in England was in on the act with me they all knew I wasn't what I was portraying and, and I, it was like that wink wink thing and I, I say I was like a carry on carry, carry on wrestling right and I think that endeared me because I never took myself... They could see the... I, I didn't take myself seriously, which is a, a quality of being British, right? And doing a lot of comedy that they probably... Whether they knew it or not, was all British stuff that I'd watched from old films and comedy shows and little things that connect. People seem to... Uh, took a liking to me. And uh, it, it's... The, I learned that from Roddy Piper, actually, that the, the people who are the best bad guys make the best good guys because 
people, our job's the only job in the world where people trust you with your time. It's not, you know, some people talk about drawing money and that. Well, no, the biggest thing that we have, the, 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 the wonderful experience we have is that people trust us with their time. They don't have to watch us. We're an act like any other. And it's not about being good. It's about connecting with your audience. When you, as is the only act, though, where people can hate you, but in subconsciously they really like you because they're, they're allowing you to make, you know, to, to, to make you hate them, right? So when you've truly made them hate you, then they'll trust you with the time. And you can just look at them all, smile at them, and, and I don't usually talk about my own self, but... I used to say to somebody, right, what do you want me to be when I walk out tonight? And they go, what? I go, what do you want me to be? And they go, well, you're a villain now. I walk out and I say, right, I used to know that from here to the ring how far it was. I say, I'll make a bet with you that I can change them six times. No, you can't. Watch this. I'd walk out and scan and then I'd do like trip on myself and look at somebody and, go, and, they'd, and they'd cheer, hey! And then just to be able to do that and now that that's all over. I'm just me. When I get the kind of reactions I get, I'm, I'm, I'm like a bit choked up with it because it's like, well, it's somewhat of a nice thing to know that it's not about what I've let the people actually give me their time to, to, to watch me over the years. That's the only reason they react to me is because they've allowed me to allow to, to entertain them and it's a nice feeling. That's it. The great people come to me and say, oh, you, I, I couldn't get there. If you come to my house, you wouldn't know I was arrested. I've never, there's not a single thing anywhere. The best kind thing that it's nice when I get the compliment. It's not about wrestling when people say, thanks for the entertainment. And you go, that's what this is at the end of the day. You've got somebody, somebody's been nice enough to watch you.